This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. G&D, welcoming you back on the fan. It is January 2024. You know, we are just four days away. Let's see. Is that Saturday? Yeah, what'd that be? January 6th. Uh Uh-huh. Saturday. The Grant and Danny 10-year anniversary. How about it? Ten years of radio matrimony between a couple of pals talking sport. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, audience. A lot of losing football. We uh, we started with the Jay Gruden coaching search. That really wasn't a search. Bruce Allen just I put that in quotes. kept a bunch of guys that had coached yeah. with Jay Gruden previously and hired Jay Gruden. Oh, man. Thank you. <laughs> We survived the Rob Kelly experience. Didn't we remember that? I love Rob Kelly. I love man. Rob Kelly, man. You know, a, the culture. The sweatshirt is actually damn good. Remember that? 40% of our time together, the Ron Rivera era. You believe that? That's funny to say. Cousins and Griffin and all else. Dude, the, the Rob Kelly sweatshirt, Fat Rob. Remember that? Like that was a thing Come for on. like an hour and a half? I think I don't remember Fat Rob. He, do you remember the game he had against Green Bay? It was one of Kirk's best games where he was just slicing the ball through Did the Did he air. have 150 yards on the ground in that game? Am I making that up? 150 seems aggressive, but he definitely went well over a bill. He, uh, he put on a show, for sure. Uh, we got Beltway Blitz coming up. Caps, NFL, Commanders. Right now, though, as promised, caller number 10, 800-636-1067. You're winning two tickets to see the Wiz and the Pistons January 15th. This is going to be one of the most talked-about games in the NBA that day. Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the Wizards are celebrating the legacy of Dr. King. They got a lot of in-game activations and recognition uh, for tickets and the complete Wizards schedule. Go to thefandc.com slash contests. Congrats to the winner. Let's kick off the Beltway Blitz. We got to get to our friend Bailey Johnson of the Washington Post. The Capitals are in action tonight. And with all due respect to Commanders Cowboys on Sunday, the rivalry that I care the most about at this point as it pertains to D.C. sports, tonight it renews on the ice. The Capitals and the Penguins, a 7.30 puck drop in the Steel City against the Pens. Bailey, let's start with really where we're at for Pittsburgh. They got off to a terrible start. They've had some explosive performances here recently. What are the Penguins? Yeah, it's a good question. Like you said, they got off to a slow start. The way they played in the Caps home opener would not indicate that if that's the last time Caps fans saw them. They beat the Caps 4 nothing back in October the last time they played. But other than that, they did get off to a slow start, and they're 
playing much better of late. They've won three in a row. They've won five in a row at home. Um, Sidney Crosby looks like he's not in his late 30s. They're playing really well right now, getting solid goaltending, have been a good team of late. Bailey, right now, if the playoffs started today, they don't, obviously. But if they did, the Caps would be outside looking in. My question to you is simple. Is this a playoff team? I don't think so. I think the way they were grinding out those results in those tight games and getting outstanding goaltending, especially from Charlie Lindgren, probably got them a few more points than realistically they should have had early on in the year. And now we're going to see them dip back down to their true level, which I would say is a team that's on the outside looking in. If they do make the playoffs, because they're kind of right there, to your point on that bubble as it pertains to you know, in or out at the end of the season, what goes right to get them over the finish line? The offense picks up for sure. If Alex Ovechkin gets on a roll and they start scoring in general at five on five, which they really haven't all year, that would be huge. The goaltending needs to stay as good as it's been. They need to get Charlie Lindgren back from his upper body injury as soon as possible. It's sounding like that won't be as bad as they feared after Saturday night in um, Long Island when Spencer Carberry said it would be the foreseeable future. They're looking now more positively maybe only a week or so, but still they need Charlie Lindgren to still play really well, Darcy Kemper to settle into his game, the offense to pick up, the power play to pick up. There's a lot that needs to go right for that to happen. Yeah, other than that, not much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah but they've dropped four straight now, a couple shootout losses in there, so, so some points to show for it, but it, you know, the offense, the story is there. Defensively, though, it feels like all of a sudden they're giving up more chances. Or is that just because more goals have gone in? It's my imagination. Yeah, those two games in New York were interesting. I think it was a little bit because they needed to start chasing those games late to try to win, which then opens them up defensively and some more were going in. But you're not wrong. Those were a little bit outliers for them at this point in the year. They have been really strong defensively for most of the season and played a lot of low event games. And those two 5-1 losses in New York were the opposite of that. Um, so interested to see if they kind of settle back to how they've been or if as they continue to push to score more, that also then opens them up a little more defensively. It seemed like we were on the verge of seeing Pacioretty last time out, and then it didn't happen. Is Max supposed to play in this game tonight? He will not play tonight. Um, I don't have any reporting on this, but my gut feeling is that they don't want him playing in back-to-back right away when he comes in. So if he had played... Saturday um, on Long Island, then they had this back-to-back with Pittsburgh tonight and New Jersey tomorrow. So I think there's a chance we see him tomorrow night against New Jersey because then they won't play back-to-back games for a while after this. Bailey, how far back in the standings would they have to fall before we fully shift towards playing a lot of the kids, more prominent roles, more often, instead of just the one game up and then you know back down to Hershey? What would have to happen for them to really go full kid? I mean, I don't know that we'll see it. I honestly think they've been playing the kids a lot. Connor McMichael has a huge role in this team. Hendrix LaPierre has been up and down, but mostly up. Maroshenko was a little bit of an outlier in that I don't think they planned for him to come up this early, but he had been playing well down there, and they had some injuries, and they needed him. But with Pacioretty getting healthier, TJ Oshie working his way back, they have Sonny Milano out of the lineup here. He's week to week with an upper body injury. Like, there's still a lot of pieces around Washington that don't leave a whole lot of opening for them to go full kit if they wanted to. Bailey, thank you. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bailey. Bailey Johnson covers the caps for the Washington Post. All right, let's keep the blitz moving. Around the NFL we go with our guy uh, from Pinnacle, Benjamin Brown, who joins us now. Benjamin, I want to begin with the Commanders. They have a 69% chance of having the number two overall pick. If they're picking at number two, what should we be pulling for in D.C.? 
I mean, I think, you know, I'm always going to speak from the idea that you need to figure out what you have at the quarterback position. Find that best guy, and I think number two overall, obviously, you know, depending on what the Chicago Bears do end up doing with that number one overall pick, like, they could have, you know, the, the, the top two options in some ways at the quarterback position. I think you absolutely have to go in that direction. You know, obviously getting rid of some defensive players, um, you know, towards the end of the trade deadline, you know, maybe solidified a tanking type situation, and they've very much gotten that. So I think figuring out the quarterback, what one they prefer, and, and really going up and actually getting them, I think, is what the you know Washington Bears have to do, I would say, coming out of this next draft class. Do you still hear that there's a gap between Caleb Williams and Drake May from a prospect standpoint? Um, yeah, I would say at this point, it seems like it's slipped the other way of where we were at in the preseason, right? I do think in some ways, if you were going to say, you know, what what guy is further along in a lot of ways, it probably leans in Drake Bay's direction just because of the fact that, you know, Caleb uh, ha- has kind of fallen apart from a pressure standpoint. And in a lot of ways, the things that we thought he was really good at last year haven't really carried forward in this 2023 season. So to me, you know, in a lot of ways, I was high on a guy like Drake May more than I would have been on Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. I do think kind of after this season, I do think May is probably the selection for me over Caleb Williams at this point for sure. So last team's in NFC. Then I want to do AFC with you here in a second here, Benjamin. But Rams at 9-7 and seven in the 6th seed. Green Bay currently holds the 7th seed 8-8. Eight and eight. New Orleans and Seattle are both tied with eight wins just behind them. What two teams end up in the postseason at the back end there in the NFC? Yeah, I, I very much think Green Bay ends up getting in. You know, I, I do think they have probably the most exciting team of that conglomeration that could actually, you know, potentially win a wild card spot in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm leaning in Green Bay's direction. I do think they're going to be, you know, that last team kind of in. Uh, I do expect Tampa Bay to get, you know, the, the NFC self berth and, and very much kind of get there in ahead of the, you know, like the Saints and the Falcons, basically. So I like the Packers. I like what Jordan Love's done in the second half of the season. Uh, I very much think that they are the most exciting team to get into that spot come playoff time. All right, let's do the AFC now. So Buffalo at 10-6 and six in the sixth seed. Colts currently hold the seventh seed at 9-7. and seven. Then Houston and Pittsburgh are also at 9-7, and seven, with I guess we need to mention Denver and Cincinnati at 8-8 eight eight behind them. Who gets the last two spots in the AFC? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Texans. I, I think in some ways, obviously, the health factor has been, you know, uh, the biggest consideration for them. But uh, I would say another statement-type victory came out of Week 17, and I very much think they are, you know, in this win-and-get-in type situation, the better team. So I do like the Texans kind of as that final playoff spot. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh has enough to they potentially get in there. They're not really, you know, in the same way as kind of controlling their own destiny like the Colts and the Texans potentially can. So I like the Texans. I like C.J. Stroud. I like the feel-good story, and I very much think that's going to come into fruition coming out of Week 18. Then the Dolphins 11-5 and and the Bills 10-6 and now playing in a division championship game in Week 18. We kind of saw this coming from miles away. Buffalo has not lost since that embarrassing uh, September 11th story leaked about Sean McDermott. They've kind of been on a heater uh, ever since and, and turned their whole season around. Now they win the final game of the season and they win the division. That would be pretty damaging. A second straight kind of collapse down the stretch for Miami. They lose Bradley Chubb to injury. They didn't have Mostert or Waddle against Baltimore. They gave up 50-plus two this week. I mean, what will we be saying if Miami, they will get in as a wild card, but if they lose the division that way. 
Yeah, definitely. I think in a lot of ways we're going to see or hear some of the, the sound bites and things that came out of the Kyle Shanahan-led offenses and the Sean McVay-type offenses where really good in the first half of the NFL season and the second half have kind of fallen by the wayside, right? And I do think if we see Buffalo get in, those are the sorts of clips and things that you're going to kind of get accustomed to come the offseason, especially if the Miami Dolphins, you know, underwhelm in the playoffs as well. Uh, to me, I don't really put a ton of stock in that. I do still think Mike McDaniel's building a, a, a pretty progressive type offense in Miami. And I think if they can kind of figure out the defense, which has let them down in prior weeks, we're really banged up from a secondary perspective in that Baltimore game. I think if they can kind of resolve that in the offseason, they still will be one of these perennial contenders in the AFC. But I do hear the choir and the haters, I would say, getting louder and louder each week. And I do think when this does happen in the second season, uh, the narrative is very much going to be, you know, once you see the Miami Dolphins in the first half of the season, they're really easy offense to figure out. And I'm just not quite sure that should be the logical leap that we're going to take. So, uh, you know, so much coming up here this offseason. Ben, thank you as always, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Thank you, pal. Hit that commander sounder. By God, it's Earl Forsey's music. Earl, we're four years ago today. Ron Rivera stood up and said he, he wasn't, you know, didn't have any patience for a rebuild. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how that went. But just with four quarters left in this Rivera era, give me your big picture thoughts on the time that was. Danny, before he spoke four years ago today, remember how that whole thing started? First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Never right? Remember? That was that was the famous line, and we get Ron Rivera for four years. Uh, how do things work out? Well, let me tell you. Uh, just what, what numbers? 7-9, and 7-10, and 8-8-1, 4-12. How do you think they work out? Uh, but, but, hey, the culture's great. He was asked today, what are you most proud of? Well, the culture. Well, you know, you've got uh, two of your best players in recent weeks, John Allen, who went ballistic after they lost to the Giants the first time and said a couple of weeks ago to the Junkies, left the door open, he wouldn't mind maybe going elsewhere next year. And then Terry McLaurin this week fawning over how much fun the 49ers are are having and uh, how great a a situation they've got. That's your culture that you're proud of? Congratulations, Ron. What an epic failure. And this can't end soon enough. Six days away, and let's hope. It's less than that. Let's hope for what well, is 425 games. So maybe 745 or so Sunday night, we find out the inevitable that finally that the nightmare is over in D.C. Yeah, I wonder which national person, because we've already had two or three of those, like the commanders are expected to move on from Ron Rivera. No They're already kidding. written, Grant. Those those posts are already written. But, They're right, just waiting to go out. I just love the thanks for the, the update. You know, someone's going to report that on Sunday night. Commanders expected the move. No kidding. We've known it for four months. <laughs> Let me know when it's happened. Let me know when the meeting took place. Uh, when Do you think it'll be Sunday night or Monday morning? I, I, the way this ownership has worked, maybe it's going to be wait until till Monday. You know, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would have done it Sunday about seven weeks ago, maybe about 17 weeks ago. Um, no, I think it probably officially we will we'll know Monday. Because he's, you know, this was always kind of the we're not the other ownership group kind of approach to it. I'm not Dan Snyder. So he's taken the, the, the more prudent, kind of positive, patient approach. But, look, you know, from a football fan standpoint, look where it's gotten us. A, a failed season. But, you know, the, the, the reward is going to be maybe maybe the rebuild has started. And we didn't think it was going to start till this offseason. But maybe this was part of it. Let's hope because... You know, there's quarterbacks sitting there. You guys are talking about them, and all that's going to change. One, two, three. The the, the order is going to be, you know, whatever uh, by the time we get to the draft and whoever's in charge here. But if you've got the the second pick, even if it goes down to number three, if things don't work out, 
you know, you're going to have your, your choice of, of, of quarterbacks. You're probably a better option than what you have now. Let me tell you, you talked about this, and I've mentioned it a few times in the show uh, on Sunday's Countdown to Kickoff, Grant, that things have been working out for the commanders as far as that goes, and things never work out for this team. I'll go back to 1979. They go to Dallas. They win in their end. They blow the late lead to the Cowboys. That was Jack Party's second season as coach. Riggins ran 66 yards for what looked to be the clinching touchdown. Staubach throws two late ones, one to, to Tony Hill late to steal one. But if the Chicago Bears win by less than 32 points over the Cardinals that weekend, the then Redskins still make it in. They beat the Cardinals 42-6. I mean, it was one of those things. Never have things worked out. It looks like this thing may work out as far as a, at least a draft pick for the commanders of things. They kind of hold serve and lose on Sunday, and it's going to be an epic fail. I mean, you have to go back your boy Shanahan uh, when he dropped eight in a row when, when he left things uh, burning in Ashburn. Uh, when he left, that was the, the last time they've had this long a losing streak. It was nine in a row because Jay dropped his first one. So it is an all-timer. Uh, we, we, we're headed down to the, you know, the, the bitter end here. It's going to be flushed down the toilet on Sunday, this end to this awful season. Thank you, Earl. Always appreciate it, dude. Earl Forsey's music, boys and girls, to play him out on Grant and Danny for his weekly stapled in Beltway Blitz. One Steve Weiser, second Steve Weiser, crack them both, tap it on top, chug them both. Just a butt kick and taking some names. There it is. Uh, Ron Rivera did speak today. A couple of things he said caught my attention. I want to get into that. He was asked who's going to start at quarterback on Sunday, Brissett, or how uh, we could tackle that. Plus, I think people will be surprised at just how big the attendance was at FedEx Field on Sunday. You're listening to Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. Jay Gruden stops by at 6 o'clock this evening. It is a Tuesday, which means Survivor Tuesday. Go vote right now, facebook.com slash Grant and Danny. No immunity because there's only one game left. So we're booting one player off the island. It's either Deron Payne or Cam Curl. Whoever stays on the island today will go head-to-head with Terry McLaurin in Week 18 for the crown of Commander's Survivor. Terry McLaurin has won a title before. Of course, he is chasing down Ryan Kerrigan, who was a two-time champion for the first two-time winner. Now, would he be going back-to-back, or did John Allen win last year, I think? Pretty sure John Allen won last year. Starting. It was between the two of them, probably. Two of the last three, perhaps, for Terry McLaurin. But uh, we'll see who he's going head-to-head with based on your voting today. Facebook.com slash Grant and Danny. Ron Rivera spoke with the media a little bit ago. Some things that stood out to me. He was asked who's going to be the starting quarterback on Sunday. He said, quote, we don't have to let anybody know until tomorrow, so we're just going to wait, end quote. Don't have a big problem with that, but not surprising. He was asked, why would you wait to name a starting quarterback? I think we don't want to give them any head start. 13-point underdogs against Dallas. Maybe if they don't know who's playing, you might beat them. They already lapped you. <laughs> they, they don't need a head start there, guy. But in all sincerity, right? he's right. He has no incentive. There's no upside to it. It's just yeah, that we're curious. Issue. So I have, I have no issue with that. But it's easy to make fun of, and I will. I'll make fun of it. Uh, how about this, Darius, on what he is most proud of over his four years in Washington. Uh, Darius had just pulled this clip. I was just listening to this. So you've been here for four years, man. Mm-hmm. What do you have to show for it? 
What do you like about your time here? This is what Ron Rivera had to say. Um, what we've done with the culture. I, I think that was one of the things that, um, you know, somebody asked me the same question. I said, you know, the biggest thing more than anything else, I think, is I kind of like where we are. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just the nature of this game sometimes. So I don't want to, like, play his whole presser and just kind of poke holes and everything. But this idea that their culture is good now is a sham. Yeah, okay, I Bruce Allen. I don't understand it. And I don't mean that to say, like, they have bad people or that people are being mistreated. If you're saying we have a more professional working culture and people like working for the organization and it's a lunch pail kind of building now, okay, cool. That wasn't really why you were hired, though. That's a byproduct of a grown-up being in charge, and congratulations on that. But when it comes to culture and football, we're talking about winning and losing, yeah? This is not a winning culture, and this is not a culture where, like, are guys noticeably playing harder? Has this team become more difficult to play against? Are they closer than they were when he got here? I mean, you can't say yes to any of those things. No, and would a good culture have players privately whinging and whining to the head coach that the new offensive coordinator is, is driving them too hard? And would then the coach reveal that in public to run that offensive coordinator under the bus? Was, is that a good cultural example? Probably not. A culture is you doing the right things over and over again, you know, in his first press conference, which by the way, happy Ron anniversary was four years ago today, mm-hmm. through the day, January 2nd, 2020, that press conference, right? Ron Rivera's introduced at that time. He talked about not tolerating people. All we're going to do is make decisions about winning football games. You kept your long snapper around. who was snapping the ball uh, like a broken jugs machine all over the place, uh, flipping ground balls back to trust wait for, 15 weeks. No, that, that's not a winning culture. Winning culture is everyone's worried about their job and doesn't want to screw up because every detail matters. That is not what the has been the case here. No. This is missed blocks and missed tackles and busted assignments in the secondary and you know hiring assistant defensive backs coaches because they're buddies with your coordinator. That's what this culture was. Yeah, it's a, it's an attempt to you know again this is what Bruce Allen would do. Right, seriously. When the results were terrible, he stood up there and he gave you the winning off the field, not on the field thing. The culture is actually damn good. You guys just don't see it. We're this close. This is this is the desperate person to grab a hold of some port in the storm when there's no good result. There is no good result, and that culture thing is bullcrap. To be frank with you, it's not. Your your trainer got uh, cuffed and stuffed by the DEA on your watch. Your guys are out drag racing. Your guys, uh, your your two leaders or your, your your big studs, you couldn't get them to come to OTAs. Your dra- hand-picked draft uh, uh, pick, your first guy that you ever you ever selected. There, there's nothing special about your culture. Just because you say the word culture doesn't mean that there's a culture, right? When it was time to work in the offseason, you were out playing golf instead of going to the senior bowl. That's not, that's not a culture of winning. Did you outwork everybody else that's also a GM? Did you outwork everyone else that's also a coach? You didn't. There's, there's no culture here. The last minute and change or so of the presser were some questions about the likeliness that he's back and some things about kind of now introspectively looking back at his time that I thought people might want to hear. Uh, it began with uh, John Kime question about, you know, blocking out the noise that it could be over. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Is it easy to, to block out the noise? Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, because, again... You know, there's no appreciation for what you do unless you're doing it. And uh, whether it's easy or it's hard, it, it is, you know, there, there's still something to appreciate about it. Um, you know, because this, this game is just, it's a special game. And, and um, you know, when you're in it, no matter what's happening, you, you appreciate it. That's for sure. Um, obviously, it's, it's easier to appreciate when, when things are going well. Um, but for the most part, to me, the most important thing is just staying focused on what you're doing, and that's you know our preparations to play the next game. I'm gonna pause it there for a second. I don't think there is a lack of understanding about how difficult his job is, right? He said, "There's no appreciation for what you do unless you're doing it." In other words, we can't possibly understand how difficult this has been for him because we didn't do it. Like, I get it, man. You, you battled cancer. That's awful. Yeah. You had a name change you didn't ask for. You had an ownership change you didn't ask for. Uh, it's hard to win in the National Football League when everything is 72 and sunny. Nobody's saying otherwise. But you're the one in your opening press conference who said you had no interest in a five-year rebuild, sir. You didn't have the patience for it. It doesn't take five years. It was hard in Detroit, too. Somehow, they figured it out. You know, it was it was difficult I can name three or four other teams Miami, like Philadelphia, Philly. Yeah. where they did this in two years. It's not easy. I don't think anybody lacks understanding of how complicated and difficult this has been or an appreciation for the attempt. That doesn't change that this is about results, you know? So, and I get it. Like, if, if we get fired because many years from now, hopefully, uh, you know, our ratings aren't good, we can talk about all the things that work against you or whatever, and why that's not gospel. The fact is, result-oriented business. Yeah. It is what it is. It's not that much more complicated, sir, than that. The team is lost for four years in a row. They have. It's not getting better. In fact, in almost every way, it's probably worse than when you got here four years later. And you're on the verge of losing more consecutive games in a row now as a team than has ever happened in the modern era other than once in the history of this organization. And the last time it happened, the guy got fired too. I'm sorry about that. But th- this is about wins and losses. And and the, you would be able to deflect in some way if you were basically able to say, look at what we've uncovered here. Right? That's what he was trying to do with Sam Howell throughout. There is none of that. But there's the none of that. So if you could go, man, this this first-round draft pick. I mean, oh, that's a disaster. Actually, let's talk about this in a second, right? What can he hang his hat on? Like, what is 
What does he point to and say? Because that's kind of what people are getting at with these questions. Yeah. Hey, where are you happy? What have you done? And he talks about this culture thing, which is vague and a moving target as it is. But quite literally, like, what can he claim was a win? There's no valid thing. And I'm not being hyperbolic. There isn't. There's this impossible to prove culture thing, which I would argue is is bogus and nonsense. I think it's just a, a word that people say when they've lost a bunch. Uh, again, Bruce Allen said it. That's that's my biggest evidence there. But if you could go, well, look at my young pieces that are well on their way. John Dotson had one of the most disappointing years of anybody I can remember. Jamin Davis is a jag at best. Your second overall pick, your first guy that you you went and got was was visiting this week and barely played for San Francisco. Your most recent guy has been benched multiple times. You don't trust him uh, in games. I mean, it's the I, I got a bigger list. So this was Ron Rivera today uh, as they continue talking about his four years. After Sunday, are you going to appreciate a little bit more being on those sidelines on Sunday? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, to me, it's it, it's always been uh, an exciting, a, a thrill, and an honor to, to be on the field in the NFL, that's for sure. I mean, there's there's only 32 of these jobs. There's only 32 of these teams. And, uh, you know, you always appreciate just that opportunity more than anything else. And, and again, as I said, you really don't know unless you've been there. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have been, uh, you know, in, in, in this position and um, in, in uh, football, you know, whether I was a player or, or an assistant coach, coordinator, or head coach. I mean, that, that's to me, that's pretty cool. So, I'm like I said, I've been very fortunate. Take three more. Ron, you've, you've obviously been through a lot during your four years here, both personally and with the team. But what, is, what has been the most challenging part of this season? <laughs> this season is, um, I think, Nikki, really the, uh, the, the the thing for me more than anything else has just been the, the you know, we didn't live up to the expectations that we had um, or that I had personally. Um, you know, I, I really felt there were some opportunities and, some things that we missed and that to me is probably the, the biggest disappointment more than anything else because you know I, I, I really felt we had a we had a, a, the makings of, of, of enough good players uh, in certain situations that, that we should have won a few more games. Was there a moment or a game where you thought you know it, was, it, it kind of turned or where you, where you thought kind of that it, it started to slide a bit I guess? Um, not necessarily. Um, I, I, I think the one that, that, that one situation or circumstances, I, I think if, if I do reflect on it though, was the Thanksgiving game in Dallas, you know, that, that game was, was disappointing just because of where we were at one point in that game. You know, you, 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 you play with the team and you're right there in it. And then it just, it just takes one little simple thing. And the next thing you know, it, it just kind of starts snowballing. Ron Rivera today with the media. He was asked to end the presser if he thinks he's improved the franchise since he started, and this is what he had to say. <laughs> well, I'd like to think we're, we're in a better place. It's probably a better, a fair way to say it. Um, I, I, I most certainly do appreciate my time here, and, and um, you know, we'll see what happens. And again, we'll, we'll focus in on what's, uh, what's coming first on Sunday, and that's uh, getting ready for Dallas. Introspective Rivera today. A lot of kind of big picture questions. You know, some of those Probably should be saved till after week 18, but everyone kind of knows what's going on here. Totally. It seems that way, right? And you, you can hear in the answers. I mean, he, he's like, he's playing ball. He's a nice guy. He's, he likes being a head coach in the NFL and might be his last week getting to do that, certainly for a long while here.
I'll be curious. We can talk about that next, like what could be next for him. Could you get a DC job somewhere right away? Does he just sit out? Uh, does he become an analyst? I mean, he's got all kinds of, of different options, mm-hmm. I'm sure, uh, looking ahead. But uh, let's ask the question at 800-636-1067. Is there something he'll be able to point to to say, here's an area where they're better off because I was there? Here is an area where the commanders are in better shape after I was in D.C. for four years. Where can he say that roster-wise, otherwise? What can he point to? 800-636-1067. We're Grant and Danny. Well, I'd like to think we're, we're in a better place. It's probably a better, a fair way to say it. Um, I, I, I most certainly do appreciate my time here and, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And again, we'll, we'll focus in on what's, uh, what's coming first on Sunday and that's uh, getting ready for Dallas. We are six days away from black Monday in the NFL and very likely the commanders being in the market for a GM and a head coach. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan, the final week of the NFL season. Jay Gruden, by the way, joins us at six this evening. It is Ron anniversary. Four years ago today, Rivera was hired. We'll play a little bit of his introductory press conference next hour and look back at a couple of things that stand out from his opening comments. But the question for you guys right now, he was asked a bevy of questions today, a plethora of, of different things really regarding like where the team's improved, him feeling like they're much closer, and he's leaving this place if he's fired, which is the expectation, in a better place than he found it. Like, do you agree with that? Because from a sheer personnel standpoint, this is a worse roster. At a lot of positions, most positions, most notably, offensive line, maybe even quarterback. Although you could say it's kind of a wash. You didn't have one then. You don't seem to have one now. Took a pretty circuitous route to not having one, probably. Pretty amazing. But I guess you could argue what he does, which is culture. I just think that's one of these words that doesn't really mean anything. Teams that win have a culture. Teams that don't, don't. Culture, to me, is you know doing a lot of things really well. And if you were doing a lot of things really, really well, you'd win more football games. But I want to see what you guys think. Let's start with our guy, Tony, in Long Island. Great to hear from you, pal. How are you? Guys, how are you? How are hey, you? Happy New Year and Happy Thanksgiving. No better way <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. to kick off 2024 than with Tone. On the phone lines, on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Happy Thanksgiving to you, buddy. Happy, And you know what, guys? Happy new beginnings. Because really, that's kind of what we're embarking on. Uh, Kind of stinks that I got to talk about Rivera because I don't want to ruin my evening. But uh, listen, Ron is completely detached from reality. His legacy, guys, and we know this, is going to be losing that he lost so prolifically he got us possibly our franchise quarterback. Because we're going to be drafting someone in the top two, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May and nobody else. It's between those two guys. And that's Ron's legacy. His legacy is losing. He left us in a horrible place otherwise. The roster is about as bad as the Zorn (laughs) roster, probably worse. Mm. So I would say this is – the worst we've ever been through the Dan Snyder era. So to me, that's his culture. That's his legacy. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate Tony. you. So I hadn't thought about this, but remember when Rivera said something along the lines of, if they get it right soon after I leave with all my guys, send me my Super Bowl Mail ring. me my ring, yeah. And he suggested that 40 of his players will be on the team when they're winning a Super Bowl. I'm going to lower that number to like four. Four. And three of those are the guys he inherited that, that are still the best players on the team that were here before he got here. But if his eight-game losing streak down the stretch and his, for the fourth time in the history of the team, you know, 13-loss season, gets them the quarterback that ends up being the answer for 20 years, I'll build a damn statue. <laughs> Seriously. You think I'm kidding? I'll be grateful. Right next to that Sean Taylor installation, uh, let's have a a, uh, a Dick Sporting Goods you know, statue with Rivera with his arms crossed. With the headset up so he's not talking? Right. Fine. Vacant 1,000-yard stare. If Drake May becomes Justin Herbert and you have him for 15 years here, or Caleb Williams becomes Patrick Mahomes and the Rivera season got you those guys, even if the next GMs take him, I'll I'll send you a Super Bowl ring. No problem. I'll send everybody a Super Bowl. Everyone gets one. Everyone gets one. Uh, I always call Norv Turner Norville Eugene Turner. It's a thing that we all do. Uh, it's just, it was his name because it's funny, Norville. It's like Fievel goes west. Norville Eugene Turner. Did you know that Ron is Ronald Eugene Rivera? I did not know that he was a Eugene. Yeah, apparently he's a Eugene. I mean, like his boys, like Baldy, when he comes on, calls him Chico. You know, everyone loves that uh-huh. bit. Or Riverboat, but yeah, Ronald Eugene Rivera. Who knew? Let's go to Brian, who's on 66. What's up, Brian? Hey, Brad. Hey, happy up- upcoming anniversary to you guys. Long-time listener. Appreciate you, dude. Hey, that's sweet of you. Thank you. And long-time suffering fan of the team. Um, I, you know, obviously, it's a bottom-line business, no doubt about it. Uh, he is what he is. His record is what it is. Uh, he gets paid a lot of money to stand up and answer questions. But I, I think it's almost an impossible question when, what are they, 4-12 and 12 right now? That when, is correct. That's right, yeah. What are you most proud of? <laughs> what, are, what are you most proud of? as the coach of the four and 12 team, when everybody in the world knows, you know, Sunday's your last day on the job, it's just a, almost an impossible question to, um, to answer. Um, and, and I think when he says culture, you know, I think um, it's, some of it may come out if he ever writes a tell all book, you know, I mean, what the <laughs> S show that he was a part of, he's kind of, you know, steered the ship. I think most people agree is a, a good man. He steered yes. the ship through such a mess. That's what he could um, say, by the way, Brian, to be thanks, honest. Buddy. Thank you for the call, and hopefully 66 isn't too ugly for you today. But that's what he could say. Uh, honestly, when you're going, what do you expect him to say? Yeah, it was a pretty awful few years in terms of ownership and dealing with the cancer and all the things that I overcame. And I think I was able to do it with my head held high and would leave here with some dignity and some some class. Yeah, I would say he could say that. Realistically, I'd say two things. One, how we all came through a period of up, upheaval and turmoil. Not just me, but everybody that's affiliated with this, with this organization. I'm proud of that. Second is that we never quit. Is that we, th- these guys come to work and grind every day, and that's something that, that I'm proud of. Pretty simple. But when you go, the culture. Ladies and gentlemen, the culture. It's it's hard not to, at, at a minimum, eye roll at a maximum, be like, which one is that? Which culture is that again? Yeah, I don't have a problem with the answer. I just disagree with it. That's all. In other mm, words, I go. don't, like, you're, I'm not taking issue with anything he said today. It's a you're right. It's a tough – any press conference he has at this point is difficult because you're at a point, no matter what you say, no one wants to hear it. Yeah. I just it, – it's like saying a month ago, you found the guy in Sam Howell. When I've watched all the games, and I got to tell you, I'm not sure that you have. You did. It's like saying a month ago, 
yeah, I, I know this team doesn't have to draft a quarterback when I leave here because I'm bestowing Sam Howell on them. Settle down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Need you to bring, reel that back in. Let's just see what where this goes as you start to play some good defenses. Jay Gruden going to join us at 6 if you want to hop in. 800-636-1067 to get your thoughts on the Rivera era and maybe areas where he can take pride as he leaves in having done some things the right way. Also, I told you that it was a sellout on Sunday with a lot of 49ers fans. Where did Sunday's game rank in terms of tickets sold? I think you'll be surprised by that. We'll give that answer next on The Fan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 